Hello and welcome to Mothers Matter, the podcast which takes a good look at why mothers matter so much to their children, why mothers matter in society and what matters to mothers themselves. Today I'm going to be talking with Lynette Dudman, who is the mother of two top BMX riders about the dedication and sacrifices required uh, from her and her husband to get those two boys on the track. I hope you enjoy it. Well, Lynette, thank you very much for meeting with uh, me today. And we have your um, your dog snoring in the background. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just to say it's not, it's not me dropping, <laughs> dropping off to sleep while you're chatting. But uh, the reason I wanted to talk with you today is about having children who are very high achievers and what it takes to basically manage them mm-hmm. and maintain them. Okay. So can you start by telling us a bit about uh, Fred and Max, please? Yep, so both my boys um, race BMX. Max is 12 and Freddie is nearly 10. Um, they race regionally at a national level. Um, and this year, Freddie's qualified to race in the European Championships Ooh. and the World Championships. Mm. So, very, very good. And, and how did they get into it originally? Um, their dad, my husband, uh, used to race motocross. So there's been a love of bikes and all things like that. Um, and then a friend of ours took their child down to a BMX club and loved it. And then we just naturally turned up to have a try. And then that was it. So not look back. So it wasn't your husband who got them into it as such. but uh, Yeah, I mean, he wanted them to do something like that. And then we just found the BMX club and that was it. Yeah. And how old were they when you did that? Oof. Freddie was five. Max was seven. So it's been yeah. part of our lives for, what, nearly five years now. And did they both love it the same from yeah, the beginning? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They were going to try football the following week and um, <laughs> one ride on the BMX bikes and that was it. Really? Yeah. 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 So what's involved at the moment? So Freddie's done really well with all his qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, has he always been uh, one of the best in his age group? Um, he's always done well. Um, it helps starting much earlier because they just grow into the sport much easier. Um, but yeah, he's always had a been able to, you know, plot a race line and and, and been quite aggressive on the track. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, he, he's, he's doing well. He's doing well. There's, there's riders that are far better and stronger than him, um, but he's just doing enough to get by, so he's um, doing well. And can you tell um, at this age, because obviously boys develop a lot in mm-hmm. their later teens, uh, If uh, do you think if people are better than him at this age, can he still improve so he's going to be better or oh, are things pretty fixed? Absolutely, no, the... You see that that a child that's at the top one year, next year the child that was battling with them has had a growth spurt or done something and they suddenly overtake. So there's loads of swapping and changing around, you know, the mm. top riders. Um, and some of them do peak at this age um, and others just continue to sort of slow burn and, and grow and hopefully Freddie will be one of those. Yes. And how, um, how does uh, Max do in his age group? Max does really well. Um He's got a very, very strong age group. Um, so every race, his age group has the highest number of competitors, which makes the knockout stages much harder because, you know, much greater drop of riders. Um, but he's an incredibly skillful rider. Um, what he can do on a bike is quite frightening. Mm. Um, but racing, he still needs to work a little bit. <laughs> and, and why do you think it is that his, there's so many in his age group? I think... It is a fallout of the London Olympics. 
All right. Um, yeah. So BMX showcased pretty much for the first time at the London Olympics. And we had a GB rider in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kids, when they look at a different sport, BMX came into its own then. And all those boys would have been about five. So mm-hmm. about the right age to start. So I do think that's... Yes. Um, well, there's a huge spike in that age group. It's a good, a good legacy yeah, from uh, 2012. Mm. Is it still in the Olympics or yes. was it just a London one? Is no. it always in it? Yeah, it's in the Olympics. So oh. all of our top riders are going through the Olympic qualifications now for mm. the Tokyo. Um, mm. So all those races are happening now. Um, and they ride, some... they ride as GB, do they? Mm. Right. Yeah, and we've got some very, very talented elite riders mm. um, in, in this country at the moment. So we should watch out for it. It's twenty. It's next year, isn't yes. it? Tokyo, twenty twenty. Yes, twenty twenty. So, uh, hang on. I'm just doing calculations for Freddie in the twenty twenty four. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe no, one after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah twenty twenty eight could be be nineteen or so. Yeah, which would be about right. Yeah, um, and oh, free, BMX freestyle is in this Olympics for the first time ever. So oh. the jumping and the flipping and the backflips oh um, right is that like the snowboarding freestyle thing where they just sort of throw themselves yeah down pretty the much. <laughs> yeah, yeah what they can do in like, in like a skate park scenario right. and what they can do on a bmx bike so that's for the first time in 2020 oh wow is it is it a big thing in japan bmx riding i think so it's really big in mainland europe so the dutch um oh, latvias yeah they're all of that they have um a really strong team and mm. america is huge as well Really? Yeah. It's very cool sport, isn't it? Is. it? But yes. <laughs> it is pretty cool. Are there many girls who do it? Girls are amazing. Really? There are yeah. lots of girls and some very, very talented girls. Um, mm. And they come out dressed in pink with their plaits that they hanging out <laughs> of their crash helmets. And yeah, yeah. I think it's a really cool sport. Um, is it? Is it? Because uh, you said that um, the bike's quite light mm. that they have, so there's not an issue of sort of the strength for the girls. Or do you, do you have to be strong to be good at it? Though um, you have to, you know, work on your core strength and your leg power. Um, mm. But yeah, you also have to be quite tactical. Um, mm. And the, the girls just are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Do they ever race together? Mm. Or the girls. And the boys? girls can choose to ride with the boys right. if they want to. So often, if they want a bit more competition or to ride with different riders the girls will mix it up and ride in with the boys which is always interesting Mm, how do they do really well (laughs) (laughs) yay (laughs) i know it is you you know yeah girl power definitely yeah yeah and is it an expensive sport yes yeah i mean grassroots level most clubs will hire out bikes and equipment and helmets and all that and that's great so it's a really accessible sport to get into um, but then when you need your own kit, then mm. it does become quite expensive. Um, yeah. But there's a really good selling on of equipment and bikes and all of that, and people buy second-hand, third-hand stuff, and there's no, you know, you don't feel bad about it. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's not the cheapest of sports, but I don't no. think any are. No, no, but how, how much would a good bike cost? 2000 Let's see, that's more than a hockey stick. Yes. <laughs> Hockey or a pair of swimming shorts. Swimming shorts. <laughs> well, no, apparently swimming is quite expensive. Someone sent me their daughter's swimming costume was something like £100 Ooh. when they're in the proper proper quality yeah, yeah. swimming. We've yeah, never yeah. been at that level. We're more of a sort of jump in, yeah, yeah. flash yeah, yeah. approach. But, you know, my daughter's hockey stick's quite expensive. And, but it's still only 100 and something yeah, yeah. and the cricket back could be 100 yeah, But yeah. it's not... I mean, there's, you can do it a lot cheaper than that and still mm. get, a, you know, a very good quality bike. I mean, you buy the bikes in parts, so... 
you know, the wheels separate to the oh, yes. crank. That all gets yeah. above me. But um, Yes. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh. Uh, so how much training do the boys have to do? Um, as much as they want. Um, so we normally try and get them on a bike two or three times a week, um, whether it be a turn up and ride and just have a bit of fun at the track on their own or whether it's a, you know, a proper scheduled training session. Mm. Um, but also at this age, it's just getting them out and doing things it all helps so yeah. whether it's on their scooters or park bikes or you know climbing mm. trees it all just helps I think and you have to uh, drive quite away for training mm. don't you how far how long does it take you to get there um so our nearest uh track from here is um gospel BMX club so that's 45 minutes to an hour mm. um for training we travel to Gravesend once a week so an hour and a half each way each way each way gosh I know and how do, you, how do you manage the logistics on that day? Because they, they go after school, don't <laughs> yeah. they? Yeah, so it's all a bit, have everything packed up before, eat in the car, kick bags in the car, mm. you know, literally get on the road as quickly as we can. And it is a late, it's a late finish. But when the boys are focused to do it, then they know they have to manage that themselves. So, mm. you know, they have to still get up for school the next day and still make sure the homework's done. Mm. And that's part of the deal. Yes, um, yeah. So it's quite good skills they learn in that sense as well. Yes, yeah. Do they um do they ever complain about going off to training? Yeah, sometimes. Mm. Um, they do miss out on other things, so mm. parties at the weekends or catching up with friends because they're training. Um, but, yeah, it comes with the territory and they're quite happy to do that. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they will miss training. Mm. Um, but, you know, they and do you, enjoy it. You seem to be going out to Manchester a lot. What's uh, What goes on in... Given that we live in the south in Hampshire, <laughs> it's a long way to yeah, go. Yeah, so there's always a one national round in Manchester which kickstarts the season in March. Um, but because it's the only indoor track in the country, over the winter there's a indoor Manchester BMX series, so five rounds. Mm. So we tend to race that. So it's good racing yeah. in the dry, <laughs> which is always a bonus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how often uh, do you go up to Manchester then? Um, once a month over the winter. Mm. Um, and then now we won't go back up now until the win- this winter. So okay. we won't go back up again. Um, OK, so where are the competitions now? Are you in... Uh, just talk me through the, the qualifiers and the, the um, annual competitions. So there's lots of different levels. So the club always runs a club race, which is always at Gospel Women's Club, and that's just at club level. Um, then you start racing regionally, which we're in the south, so we'll go from Bournemouth right across to Gravesend and lots of places in between. And then our national series covers the whole of the country. So we've already raced... Um, Manchester and Gravesend so far. We've got Birmingham next weekend, followed by Scotland. Oh, Scotland. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> and then Peckham oh. in London and then yeah. Bournemouth. And they're all qualifiers, are they? Yeah, so they, they qualify for the national series, so who's your national number one rider? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the top riders will qualify for the World Championships next year and the European Championships. Right, so right, and the the world championships this year, where which Freddie's in? What's where's that taking place? Um, Zolder in Belgium. Okay, that's quite handy. So quite then. handy. Yes, yeah. Um, next year it's Texas. Mm, very nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, but you would would you have to pay to fly yeah. out there and everything? Yeah, yeah. it's all self funded. Yeah, um, everything. Yeah, how do you manage to fund it then? Um, sacrifice. <laughs> um, yeah. BMX takes up our life, so. Mm. We don't have extravagant holidays or theme park days out or anything like that. It's 
training, riding. Um, mm. And actually, from a social side, it's really lovely. So most of our friends now are BMX parents. The children know lots of friends. So actually, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice mm. too much. Um, yes, when you're younger, you you choose friends with who you work with or whatever. And then yeah. once you have children, you become friends with whoever the uh, whatever sports they're yeah. doing or whatever activities they're doing. You're, Absolutely. You're with those parents yeah. or school parents yeah. or something. You don't choose your friends. <laughs> well, you just find, I guess you can make friends with lots of different people. These are the people that you're spending your life with. Yeah. And you've got so much in common. Absolutely. As well. Um, yeah. And, you know, the kids all get on. They might be you know, competitors on the track, but they come off the track, they shake hands and then they'll mm. go and buy an ice cream or go and kick a ball around. And it's, you know, that friendship is genuine, I do believe. Yes, yeah. yeah. And how, how long does a race last? Um, uh, it's all day. But would one race, if they were in a race... Uh, how long would that be? Oh, Two minutes or three? Oh, it depends how quickly we get around the track. Okay. <laughs> shorter, <laughs> shorter for Freddie yeah. than for some people. Yeah, um, <laughs> about oh, a minute 20 maybe, a minute yeah. 30. Because so. I, I remember some stories you say where someone's crashed into Freddie or something right at the beginning and you've driven miles yeah. to get there. Yeah, and yeah. then that's it, you mm. know. So obviously at the moment Freddie's out with a broken collarbone having driven all the way to Belgium <sighs> for a race and he broke his collarbone in practice so never even <sighs> competed uh, so yeah yeah and how did how did he how do you cope or how did he cope mentally with that side of things um he was gutted yeah. but it also comes with the territory. There's yeah. always children walking around with arms in slings or on crutches <laughs> or something like that. You just grow up and you can't go into BMX and not realise it is classed as an extreme sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you sign in, that's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. You can't be riding your bike that quick and flying through the air without the occasional mishap yeah. happening. So you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off yeah. and... Heel. <laughs> oh. uh, do they get uh, to Freddie Max? Do they get nervous before the next race if they've crashed? At Sometimes it does knock their confidence. Mm. Um, and the old saying about getting back on your bike oh, yeah. is um, <laughs> really relevant here. Um, unfortunately, Freddie couldn't get back on his bike after this crash. Um, but yeah, they do get nervous, and mm. it is a huge amount of pressure sometimes. I think. Um, mm. But again, it's they just learn to to manage that. And work really well with it. And how do you manage as a mother seeing them injured? <laughs> Wine. <laughs> um, no, it's um, it's hard. You know, you never want to see your child injured. Mm. Um, mm. But when you're seeing them do the sport that they love, then it just weighs itself up, really. So, yes, um, yes. Yeah. You, you just learn to cope. And do they, Freddie's a sporty anyway, isn't he? Yep. He plays football and uh, does Max do other sports? Yeah, well? he's yeah. just generally sporty. He, at the moment, is falling back in love with his scooter, so he's at the skate park mm. almost every day. Um, That's not that different to be... No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. It's not ballet dance, no, no, so nothing, nothing gentle. Yeah. Um, and at school he does everything, so it's involved with football and hockey and rounders and gymnastics and yeah. all of that stuff. Because so. Do you ever see children... Um, sort of giving up when they're 14 or 15 and, and what do they go back to? Because it's so, so in, all-encompassing. Yeah, I mean, there's children that drop out all the way along and children that join later as well. So I suppose mm. it's, you know, it's harder as a child when, you, when you're not winning mm. that that can be a driving factor to go and try something else. Um, and that's fine. And then children that have done another sport come along and try and they join at 11 and 12. Um, so there's a lot of 
turnover, but a real strong core riders that stick with it um, and progress all the way through. So, yeah. And how, have you thought about if they do get to 16, 17 and say, well, it's not really for me anymore? Will you, do you think you'll think this time was a lot of expense for nothing or do you think it'll have been worthwhile? Uh, definitely regardless? not. It's, it's yeah. the moment they stop enjoying it, then that's when they need to give up. It shouldn't be a chore. Um, and the moment they love the sport, they love riding. Um, if they decide to go and do something else, then fine. There's a lot of lovely memories and a lot of skills that they've learned mm. um, from doing this sport um, that I don't think they would have got anywhere else. So yeah. it's all positive. Yes, yeah. And uh, your your husband, Sean, he was a big motocross, right? Yeah. And then what happened uh, with it? Did he qualify for lots of... Yeah, uh, I mean, it was before I met him, but he got to quite a high level, uh, but then injury, so it doesn't bode well. <laughs> yeah, injury saw the end of his um, yeah. racing career. Is it more serious on motocross because there's a, there's a um, engine. engine, that's yeah. the word. Yeah, I'm definitely. Involved. Yeah. yeah, so you... Yeah, you're more. But would the BMX people graduate into motocross? It's a lot that go on, like children that go on and try motocross and try BMX and then go to motocross. Um, Some older ones have ridden motocross and then come Mm. to BMX. So there is a lot of crossover in the sport. Yeah. Is is one seen as um, harder than the other? No, I don't think so. I think any sport when you're at this level is is challenging and things are different, you know. BMX, you've actually got to pedal yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's harder in some way. Yeah. Um, but the jumps are bigger in motocross. Yes. So. Oh, right. Are they? they? Yeah. yeah. You, you know, oh, you can go up. You're powered. Yeah, you're yeah. powered. Yeah. You can go up. So at the moment, I'm quite happy with BMX. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of you, how do you manage your life around the children's life? What What does it take from, in terms of sacrifice from you to keep them on the, their bikes? Um, quite a lot. It's a lot of admin, booking races, booking mm-hmm. accommodation, all of that, making sure the kit's washed and dry, ready for the next race. And sometimes that's, you know, less than 24 hours. Um, just being organised, you know, it comes down to planning meals and planning everything else we do as a family, just so that all of this can happen, mm. um, as well as everything else that goes on. Yes. And you have a, a caravan, don't you? Yes. So you do- <laughs> a lovely caravan. <laughs> so you t- do a lot of packing up of that. And yeah. Try- so it packs up at the beginning of the, of the year. Um, and then just literally reload it as it as it needs to, and then close mm. it down for winter. No, so it's practically a full time job, really. Yeah. you're their manager. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm yeah. the boys' manager. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you do before you were a full time BMX manager? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, previously, I worked in call centres and recruitment, um, and then more recently, um, working with the NCT, so antenatal classes and oh, yes, yeah, yeah. pregnancy and, and all that lovely stuff. And how long uh, did you do that um, full time? Or was um, I was working a lot, so I started training once I'd had Max, um, and trained all the way through, um, and qualified once Freddie was here, um, and then yeah, I was working quite a lot, and then I've sort of you know slowed it down a bit now. Yes. Why? Why did you change? What um, What made you decide to take a step back? Just family commitments and children needing you at home um quite a lot and I thought as they got older it would become easier but actually I found the opposite I think as they get older they they need you at home a lot more one for all these activities um (laughs) but just homework and all of that stuff makes it you know quite difficult to be out and 
the the hours of the teaching was evenings. Um, mm. That's when parents attend courses, so it becomes harder. Uh, yeah. How did you manage then when you had when you were out in the evenings? Um, again, great logistics of mm. Sean coming in and me going out, meals planned and ready, um, and all of that. But yeah, it just it just became harder, um, mm. and it was the right time just to step back. Yeah. And uh, do you do you miss it at all? Or oh, absolutely. Think, I miss. Yeah. I do miss it, but our life wouldn't function in the way that it does if I was out every evening. Mm, um, so mm. it's a good trade-off. Yeah, well, there is that, isn't there, that you, you know, if you look at it before you have children and you think, well, you're going to have to, you know, you find, you you remanage your life so you have something that fits around the children and then you can't even do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you think, gosh, that's quite a lot of sacrifice. But you once you have the children, then it's worth it. And Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't, I, you know, I, I didn't have children to not be part of their growing mm. up um, mm. and quite fortunate that in a situation where I don't have to work you know and there's lots that are not as fortunate but yeah so whilst I can I will enjoy that time yeah um, with them well Sean's self-employed yes isn't he? yeah so but when you go up to Manchester he has to take a day off yeah or something. yeah so he has to work harder the four days that he can work <laughs> <laughs> to have a day off to, yes um you know, yeah. drive to Manchester Golly. but you get to spend quite a lot of time together I suppose when you're driving or are the boys just on their screens and well there, there is that um, yeah. but I do think as a family we spend a lot of quality time together mm. um, which is really lovely because um, mm. all there to cheer the boys on and all of that afterwards with our friends and um, yeah so I do think that there is a lot of travelling and a lot of sacrifice actually our family time is you know is together Mm. and not you know and that's quite different to a lot of families I think yes it's, it's good to have something well it's good that both the boys I know and there <laughs> are, are there it, are yeah. a lot of families in BMX that one child does one thing and mm. one does another and, and that's really difficult yeah how do they manage then I don't know <laughs> with <laughs> great difficulty each other yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I mean you know there's a, there's a lot of high performing children that are doing very well in whatever sport or mm. thing they've chosen to do and that requires commitment. Yes, you you often have a you know a parent in the background who's doing all the ferry. I really like the uh, Joe Wiley parent taxi service. Yeah, yeah. hear that eight forty five, and you hear these people. I've been sitting in a car park for an hour waiting for my daughter who's at ballet, and now we've got an hour's drive home. Yeah. And there's so many parents doing that. Oh, absolutely. That, uh, yeah, it's incredible. You don't know really whether the children appreciate it at the time. <laughs> did Sean? Did Sean talk about how what great sacrifices his parents made for him? Yeah, and again, so he he's, it yeah, now. and he's got a younger brother, and they both did the same. So again, it was oh, right. it, it worked. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think they appreciate it, but <laughs> maybe they'll look back and realise when they're doing the same for their own children one day. Yes, um, yeah, I think they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's just so much involved with them. Keep it, I mean, my children do, they do various sports. And now my husband, he coaches Charlie's football and cricket. So he generally takes him yeah. there and I drive Amelia to hockey. But we're always just sort of passing. Yeah. And you, you practically need a, a chart to work out who's going oh, where and definitely. at what time. And Charlie's supposed to have a cricket match on on a Tuesday when Andy's away and Amelia's got musical theatre. And his is supposed to be in Southampton and she's got to be in Petersfield. And I think, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that, actually. <laughs> know, they're, it's difficult. they're supposed to be in different locations simultaneously. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, but it's good to... I think that the, one of the issues is, though, that you have to have parents with transport yeah. and who can afford the time. Absolutely. And I do, I do worry a bit about the big divide in the country now, increasingly, yeah. between... The, Charlie was at a hockey tournament at the weekend and, you know, all the parents there were parents who could drive there. Yeah. They all looked relatively fit, yeah. like they ate well and all that yeah. sort of thing. And you think, where there's a whole group of other people yeah. who are not going anywhere, not doing any sports, yeah. don't know about healthy eating yeah. and all that. And and for their children, they're not being taken places. Yeah. I know, it is difficult. Um, I said BMX at grassroots level is really accessible mm. and there's lots of community groups and clubs out there doing a lot to get children involved, um, which is amazing. And most of the BMX tracks are actually open tracks, so children can just turn up at any time and ride as long as there's not a, you know, a club organised session on. Um but yeah, no, I do understand it's, mm. it is difficult. And as a group of parents, we are always willing to step in and help. So if someone can't get their child to a race and you've got room in your van for a bike and a child, then you're mm-hmm. offer to take them. And, and you often see that, especially as the, as the children get older, so they're more self-sufficient. Mm. There'll be families with an extra child camping with them this weekend <laughs> because, you know, they couldn't yeah. get there any other way. So there is a lot of pulling together and, and yeah. helping. Well, that's another thing. I hadn't really thought you need a van, don't you? You can't put mm. a bike in a mini. Well, um, yeah, I mean, there's bike racks and things uh, yeah. to do, but, but um, you still need to buy extra kit yeah. to yeah. to do it all. There's just, but it's great that it's successful to start with. Yeah, and can you borrow a bike? Yeah, then, or do so they clubs, have ways of doing you know, that? You can hire a bike and hire mm. all the equipment, so the full face helmets and all that. Um, right. Yeah. So all you need to start riding a BMX is long sleeves and some gloves. Really, that's yeah, it. yeah, that's it. But the but the tracks, there's not that many around though. You have to be able to get to the track. There's a lot in the Midlands. They're right. really well provisioned for tracks. Um, for us here, it's an hour. Yeah, to a, a, a track. Um, hey, why do you think there's so many in the Midlands? I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> well, you have a lot of cyclists in Yorkshire, don't you? Like cyclists, mm. like road cyclists. So yeah. maybe it's sort of filtered down. I've got no idea. Yeah, no idea. But, um, yeah, maybe it's something that um, just needs some more investment. Or re- I think the government needs to recognise that children do need encouragement to do yes. sport and parents need some help along yeah. the way. And if you're both working full-time yeah. or you can't afford the time at the weekend at all, then it's very difficult yeah. to, to support your children in that way. And like, I think, like, any sports club aimed at children, whether it be football, rugby, BMX, you need a core group of volunteers that are prepared mm. to give up their time to run the administration of those clubs and all of that, and that's a lot as well. Yes, um, yeah. You know, I volunteer for the club and for the region um, and just give, you know, because if we, if we didn't do that... Yes. these events couldn't happen and how long does that take you in a week or so um, you'd be doing a certain amount no, of week not a lot of time just no. often turn up and help sometimes it's just waving a flag or make yeah. sure children get into the right race um, if we all did a little bit yes that's yeah. all it requires yeah um, well that's it there's an army of um, volunteers all the sports clubs yeah. that uh, my children do and then as I said my husband coaches um, you always need people giving Absolutely. up time prepared yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's someone yeah. just boiling the kettle to mm. make a cup of tea, you know. Mm. So we have a really good core of volunteer parents and riders that, you know, allow these things to happen. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, well, thank you very much for that, Lynette. It's really welcome. interesting to hear about, hear about everything that's going on uh, on the track and, and everything that it takes to, to get the children fed and yep. delivered yep. and cleaned <laughs> and, <laughs> and picked up and fixed and back on the bike yeah, yeah. again. The yeah. racing comes at the end of all those, all those yes. things that happen. It's like the last tick of the box. <laughs> yes, yeah. Do you see... Um, yourself is there anything you'd rather be doing do you think than driving around the place or oh. looking after them? <laughs> if I answered honestly um right now no I think no. it's you know it's a good fun life that we yeah. have it is stressful and it is hard work and it's tiring um but it's a good life I think it's when you are young, you think, oh, it must be really boring watching all of this. Like when Charlie was playing hockey and Amelia was watching at the weekend, she, she's 13, she found it deadly boring. But as a parent, there's something incredible about watching oh. your children do things. It's just enjoy, enjoyable in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then when you're at a race and you're also cheering on all the riders from your club mm. or the mm. riders that you know from your region, say... You know, everyone is cheering on everybody. Yes. Um, and you like to watch children progress right up until the elite riders. Um, so, yeah, it is it is exciting. It is. It's actually in teen sports as well, in the, the hockey and football and um, cricket. It's really encouraging to see other children improving because yes. on, you're on the same team. And yes. You actually do want people to play Absolutely. well because you get a better game out of it. Yeah, yeah. You think, oh, he's done really well. And you get genuine joy from seeing someone else in the Absolutely. team. Particularly in some of the sports, he's never been able to pass to anyone else. Suddenly learning how to yeah, yeah. pass, you think, "Oh, thank goodness for that!" Yeah. At last, they could pass. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's amazing that you cheer on your child's biggest competitor. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's a really lovely element of our sport is we cheer on everybody. Yes, um, even if they are going to beat your child, <laughs> <laughs> just less vocally. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you wouldn't cheer them on during a race, though. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. <laughs> we're not during a race. You're gaining yeah. on Freddie. Come on, you can do it. But, um, you know, if, if that child gets on to the next level and yours doesn't, yeah, then yeah, you still carry on watching and supporting. Um, yes, you know, and the kids do it as well. It's it's brilliant. Yes, yeah, you can get so much joy from um, other people, from other people's achievements. Yes, and definitely. Something, so you, it's something you don't realise when you're a child. No, I know. <laughs> how, how much joy other people can give you. Yes, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's great. Wow, thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, hopefully in that you can hear how much mothers do matter in terms of getting their children uh, onto tracks, onto sports fields, into school and generally achieving all over the place. Uh, mothers really are fundamental. And one reason I run this podcast is to encourage mothers about the important role that they have in their family and uh, also in society. But another reason is because this, uh, the importance of mothers is absolutely ignored by government and policymakers as a whole. Um, and I did talk about that with Marie in the second podcast. Uh, I said that I was going to pick up on a few um, media moments along the way. But actually, today, I just want to talk a bit about the um, an all-party parliamentary group called the 1001 Critical Days. It's um, about the importance of the conception to age two period. And uh, it's very interesting to hear what they say. They've just had a big meeting. Uh, I've been sent information about it. And this is what they've been discussing. Um, it's all about how you support families in those critical uh, initial periods. So you have... Um, 
a lady called Donna Malloy. Uh, I'll find out who she is in a minute, but she outlined the importance of the first 1001 days and described the interventions, there's the uh, danger word there, interventions known to have good evidence during this life stage, including intensive home visiting, routine maternal mental health assessments and couple relationship support. So she's been talking about, she focuses on the Troubled Families programme, which clearly is, is really, really important and probably does involve quite a bit of intervention but uh, that was her particular feedback and you have um, the right honourable Andrea Ledson who's this chair of chair of the group uh, talking about how important babies are um, to her and how they're really her passion uh, she explained about how government departments had come together to look at what could be done to improve support for families in the first 1001 days which is very hopeful it's great to hear how family government can support families and they've apparently talked to academics and practitioners and parents. And she's visited people all over the country to understand the services they need. So, again, it sounds really hopeful. I was getting very hopeful about the conclusions at this stage. And apparently they've agreed a way forward and will be writing to their secretaries of state and the cabinet for approval. Um, and so she, uh, I'll come back to what she said a bit later. And then you have Dr. Paul Williams, who's talking about the health and social care select committees inquiry into the first thousand days and talking about how important those first 1000 days are. Um, and then there was a report from the chief midwife. So uh, there's all sorts of really important people here talking about what can be done to help families in those first 1001 days. And here are some of the topics they discussed, the fragmentation of services and the challenges in funding early intervention, the value of changes that facilitate better joint working between local agents, uh, agencies such as pooled budgets, data sharing, so on the importance of understanding culture and its impact on families. This is hopeful. The value of relationships for all babies and parents and how continuity of carer could be helpful across different services. There's a radical finding, including health visiting, GP and the all important, they don't say that, childcare. The importance of upskilling the workforce to understand uh, trauma-informed care and develop relational capability and understand child development and attachment. So it's really important to teach people about that. Um, the value of different professionals having a common understanding. Um, uh, the uh, cuts to health visiting services and the need to resource health visiting properly so it can deliver important interventions to families. And the quality of childcare and childcare settings and how they can support early relationships and babies' emotional development. Uh, the fact that childcare should be an integrated part of the system and joined up with other support for families. Now, when you read this really, really carefully, as I have done, the word mother does not appear at all. The only... Um, Reference to this is Andrea Ledsam said uh, in response to a question that tax incentives or disincentives for parents parents to stay at home with their children were not in scope for the review. So they're prepared to throw thousands, probably millions of pounds at everything apart from mothers. Mothers are not seen at all important in those 1001 critical days. Uh, and this is what the government's all about. It's looking at how anyone other than the mother can support the child. Even though they're talking about relationships, continuity of carer. Well, if you have a mother caring for the child the whole time, then that is continuity of care. 
I absolutely, I was spitting feathers by the time I'd uh, finished this. I was absolutely indignant by the time I'd read all of this. It's just ridiculous that this uh, 1001 critical days will not even mention the word mother as a potential factor in the early development of children. Um, and this is what we're up against. We really have to tell people that mothers are vital. And as you heard Lynette speaking, you know, her children are 10 and 13, at 10 and 12. They wouldn't be able to live the life they're living if she wasn't there and caring for them all the time and, and helping them. But really, for the under threes, mothers are fundamental. You take the mothers out of the picture and then you do have to spend thousands and millions of pounds trying to replace that mother with all sorts of government departments. And I'm not talking about tr tr troubled families so much because that, that is a different issue where mothers are not able to, or unwilling to prepare the uh, offer the care that children need and that becomes an absolute issue. But the mother, a good relationship with the mother uh, and the father is going to be the first ideal. If you can't have that, then you do have to look at replacing it. But um, if the government won't do anything to support the mother caring for her children, uh, possibly through these tax, um, uh, levelling the tax playing field so that uh, mothers who are at home full time, their families do not pay more tax than if the mothers were out at work. That would be a good start or providing funding for children that would work, whether you pay uh, someone else to look after your children or you take the hit in your salary and care for them yourself. You're given the same amount of money. Uh, that might be another issue. But anyway, until the government and these interministerial committees start mentioning the word mother and the importance of supporting mothers in the home and supporting children in the home, all they're going to do is spend more and more money trying to make up for the absence of the mother. So uh, I've got that off my chest. Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, if you'd like to uh, follow me and I will be posting updates next time I do a um, podcast, I'm on Twitter at Podcast Mothers. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm called Mothers Matter Podcast or email me on mothersmatter at outlook.com. Uh, my name is Claire Pay, and I'd also like to thank James Ede from Be Heard, who is doing the production on all these podcasts. So thank you very much, and um, I hope you uh, have enjoyed this podcast and can tune in for future ones. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mothers Matter. Thank you to James Ede from Be Heard, who has done the audio production. And thank you to Mothers at Home Matter for all their support. If you have any positive comments, anything nice to say, please write to mothersmatter at outlook.com. If you feel it's really necessary, please send any constructive feedback to the same address, mothersmatter at outlook.com. And please do subscribe. I really, really would love it if you would subscribe. I'm hoping to do a number of very interesting interviews and to give a voice to mothers everywhere. My name is Claire Pay, and you've been listening to the Mothers Matter podcast. Thank you.